Well, y'all, y'all know uh, how much I think of your pastor. He's been a dear friend since uh, the Lord brought us here to Russell in 1993. And uh, he gives me a lot of opportunities to come fill in. I don't know whether he's just trying to punish you all or what. But uh, anyhow, I'm appreciative of the opportunity to be here. I feel like Mountain View is uh, kind of our home away from home. And uh, I hope you got a Bible with you. If you don't have your Bible, you, I'm sure some of you got it on your phone. That just it drives an old preacher crazy because people look at their phone during the service. So you wonder, are they paying tic-tac-toe? Are they listening to the sermon? You just never know. But I want to read a text before, uh, before we get to our, our major text. This morning, I, I, we're, we're facing a new year, and hopefully, the Lord willing, it, it's got to be better than last year. Uh, for most of us, last year was just kind of a, boy, I'm glad that's over kind of year. And uh, we face a new year, but as believers, it doesn't matter what the year's like, we still have responsibilities before our Lord. There's things that the Lord Jesus expects of his people. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. It's kind of an unusual uh, New Year's message. It's uh, getting it right in the new year. Uh, we need to, uh, you know, we need to, to uh, follow the Lord's instructions and get it right. There's, a, there's an event back in the Old Testament. I'm just, I'm, you don't have time to turn there. Those of you that are note takers, just jot it down. It's, it's in 1 Samuel chapter 15. And um, they just had a great victory. And uh, the, God had told uh, the Israelites to, to destroy everything that was there in the city and um, they weren't obedient oh that's that's new isn't it no and, and Samuel says to Saul has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord you know we offer God a lot of stuff but do we offer him unconditional obedience? Do we really follow what he's asked us to do? Now, we all know what fragrant disobedience, flagrant disobedience, that's a mouthful, mouthful flagrant disobedience, say that 10 times. What, we know what it looks like. Now, if you've been down to Walmart, most of you have, um, you wander around the toy aisle, and there's mom pushing the buggy, and you got a little one in the buggy, and maybe one here, and she's got this one, she's trying to take care of that one, and that one wants a toy. And they just have a meltdown in the toy aisle. That's flagrant disobedience. It's obvious. Or and they put all the good stuff right there as you're going in to pay, if you, pay if, you, if you can get a checker. Now, that's one of the problems at Walmart. Get somebody to check you out. If you're checking yourself out, there's all the candy and all the little stuff right there. And, you know, they do that to drive parents crazy because the kids are wanting that. So what we're going to look at this morning is obedience. What God expects from you and me in the new year. And there's a, there's a great event that Jesus tells about, or actually it's a parable, if you will, in, in Matthew's Gospel. So if you have a Bible, Matthew chapter 21, and we're going we're gonna to read the text, verses 28 through 32. Listen to what God's Word says. 
But what do you think? A man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he regretted it, and he went. Then he came to the second son and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Now, which of the two did the will of the Father? And they said to him, the first. And Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. Obedience. Doing what the Father asks. And sometimes we don't quite get it right. We're like that first son. Sometimes God says to his people, here's what, I would, here's what you're supposed to do. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Please follow my direction. And we go like, I'm nah, not sure. But then we all of a sudden realize, but that's what the Father wants. And we do it. Obedience. There are, there are a lot of things that pass for obedience. They're not obedience. For instance, uh, doing nothing. The Baptists are, most Baptists are really good at this. There are some people who can make doing nothing look really spiritual. There are, there are times, though, when, when doing nothing is what God wants. He says in Psalm 37, be still before the Lord and, and patiently wait for me. There are times when we're to wait. But there are a lot of times when we should be going as Jesus commanded his disciples, go into the world. He commands all of us to go. And we don't. We do nothing. And, and there may be times to wait, but if, if you're waiting when you should be working, you're being disobedient. If, if Acts chapter 1, verse 11. Remember the disciples, they went out to, to watch Jesus go up on the Mount of Olives, and he goes up into heaven, and I'm going, wow, wasn't that wonderful? That was amazing. I just, and the angel comes and says, why are you guys standing here? There's something you should be doing. You should be working instead of watching. And Jesus took these Pharisees to task for, for partial obedience. They weren't doing what the Lord asked. Sometimes doing nothing looks very spiritual, but it's not. There's, there's something else. And, and that's doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. I think as a pastor, we see that a lot of times in our churches. I'm convinced, and maybe you don't have this at Mountain View, it'd be wonderful. I'm convinced there are, there are times when, when people are, are doing things to be seen. For that pat on the back, for that word of praise. And when you serve to be seen, you're serving for the wrong reason. Paul said this in Ephesians, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing 
the will of God from the heart. That ought to be our utmost, utmost movement, uh, thing that moves us to do service for Christ. Is that we're doing it because we know it's God's will and His direction, and we're pleasing Him, not people. True obedience is doing everything for the Lord, whether you're seen or not. It's those unseen servants in the church that actually make it possible for the church to move forward. I would suspect, I don't know that much about your church, but I would suspect that there's probably some people in this church who'll come and fix things and do things, and maybe they work on the grounds, or maybe that they're, and, and, they, and no one ever knows they've done it. And nobody gets any praise except they get the praise and the glory from God because they're there being obedient, doing what God has asked them to do. So sometimes people do it to be seen. There's other times I'm convinced that they do it for what they can get. I have actually known people to, to seek places of service in a church for marketing purposes. They've got something to sell or something that they want to, to present to the people. And so they look for a place in the church to work where they can get an opportunity to do that. Some serve in the church for the prestige. I've actually known, and I'm sad to say, in some of my churches between here and 1975, my first church, that they would crave the power of the office of a deacon. Not because they wanted to serve the congregation. That's what a deacon does. They serve. They don't rule. They serve. But they want to run the church. So they want to be deacons so they control. That's not serving Christ. That's not obedience. It might look like it, but it's not. And I'm convinced, thirdly, that, that some people do what they do because of what people will think. All right, listen to me. It seems like there's a lot of folks that seem to know God's will for you. They know what you ought to be doing. You ought to be working in the nursery. Or you ought to be teaching a Sunday school class. Or you ought to be, they know what God's will is for you. They, they, there are people, I'm, I'm, I believe with my heart, there are people who are serving uncomfortably in the church. They're doing something they're just absolutely miserable at because someone told them that's what they needed to do. There are, there are pastors who have members in their churches who know what sermons they ought to be preaching or what part of the Bible they ought to be preaching. Well, pastor, you ought to be doing a series on prophecy in these last days. I want to tell you only God can tell the pastor what he should be preaching. He has to listen to the voice of God in his heart and what the needs are of the people and minister to those and they don't do it because of what people think. The Bible says there's only one person who knows God's direction for your life and that's you. As you wait before God and seek his direction and his leadership. 
You see, no one can assume spiritual responsibility for your life but just you. In Romans 4, 14, 4, it says this. This is what it says. Who are you to condemn God's servants? They are responsible to the Lord. So let him tell them whether they are right or wrong. The Lord's power will help them to do what they should. They are able to be obedient because they're listening for that still small voice. Too many people are worried about God's will for someone else instead of being obedient to what God has told them. Uh, and, and, well, let me, let me show you an example of that. You, you've got this, you've heard this. John chapter 21, just right at the end of, of Christ's ministry here on earth. And, uh, and he is, you know, talking with, with Peter, getting ready for his departure. And, uh, and he spoke in verse 19, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And he said, when he had spoken this, he said, follow me. Okay, what is God's will for Peter? Follow me. That's it. So what's Peter do? Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also leaned on his breast at the supper and said, uh, Lord, who is the one who, and, and said, Lord, who's the one who betrays you? And Peter, seeing him, says to the Lord, but Lord, what about this man? I know your will for my life. You've said, follow me. But what about this man? What did Jesus say? If I will that he remain until I come. What is that to you? You follow me. Don't be worried about God's will for somebody else's life. Be more concerned about being obedient and seeking God's will for your own life. That's how he be, he'll be pleased and honored. And you'll be an in, a useful instrument in his hand. And there's one more. One of those things that, that uh, looks like obedience. And that's doing the right things with the wrong attitude. The Bible says, watch out for murmurers and gripers and complainers because that's always a sign of spiritual compromise it's a sign that they are not where god wants them to be philippians chapter 2 and again i'll, I'll read this text for you you can just take notes it says paul says therefore my beloved as you have always obeyed there's our word always obeyed not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing. So, he's saying, Watch out for people who are grumblers. The little the folks, the little nanya, just you know, it's that, that little picking that just kindly, just it's like picking at a sore, just makes it worse. What we should be seeking is to be walking 
in obedience. I guess the question then we need to ask this morning is, how do we know if we're walking in obedience? I mean, that would be the question I would ask if I heard the first part of this message. Brother Gene, I want to make sure I'm there. I mean, that's my heart. I want God to be pleased. I want to be an obedient believer. I want to walk with Him. I want to be used by Him. I want Him to be glorified through my life. How can I know I'm walking in obedience? Okay, easy. Got four points for you, okay? First, the question you have to ask yourself is what I'm doing in line with the Word of God? Is it in line with the Word of God? Paul says in Thessalonians, Take note of those who refuse to obey what we say in this letter and stay away from them so they will be ashamed. God will never, ever, now put this down. Brother Sammy will be back. He'll tell you this is exactly right. God will never ask you to do something that's not in line with his word. There are people who think that he might, but his word and his will are always 100% in harmony. I've heard people justify I'd call it sinful behavior by saying, well, well, I feel like, I feel like this is what God would have me do. I feel like, I want to tell you what, if your feelings and God's word don't line up, it's not God's will. God's will and God's word are always 100% in line with each other, regardless of how you feel about it. So is it in line with the Word of God? Second, is your life in line with the Word of God? See, it's easy when, when the communication lines are down, when we have sinned and walked off and we're not able to hear that still, small voice and, and we're in a rebellion against God when we need to come back and say, God, forgive me, cleanse me, restore me, put me back to where I need to be so that my life is in line with your word. That's when you'll know the direction of God's will and you can be obedient. Romans 12, 2, when you know so much by heart, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, be changed. How? By the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's when you'll know the direction. That's when you'll know that you're in obedience. You'll know that you're walking where God wants you to walk. So, is it in line with the Word of God? Is your life in line with the Word of God? And is the reason and attitude that you have right? Are you doing it to be seen? Are you doing it for the power we talked about? Are you doing it for the prestige, for the pat on the back? Are you doing it to please someone else? Or are you doing what you're doing to please the Lord? That's the number one question. Am I trying to please Him? Now, if you get to those, through those three, the last one is this. Is there peace 
in your spirit. Um, had some work done around the house. Um, pretty, it was kind of expensive. And the man who came and worked two days doing the work around my house, when he finished, he said, um, Brother Gene, can you, could, could, could you just pay me in cash? I, I talked to my bookkeeper, and, and we've already taken in a lot this, this month, and, and we, uh, we are uh, at the point of, of having to pay a lot more taxes, but if you could, if you could pay me in cash, it, would, it really would help. Okay. Now, I don't know what you think he was thinking, but I'm thinking he's thinking, that ain't going to show up on the books, son. I'm going to put that money aside, and the government will never know I got it, because I got it in cash. And I thought, what? I said, you know, you, you're, you're a good friend. I, I, you know, I've always liked you. You worked for me before. Um, I'll run over to the bank and, and get your money, because I don't have that much, <laughs> that much cash. I got to the parking lot of the bank, and my spirit was so troubled. And it was like God was saying, if you do this, you are participating in his sin. You know he's going to keep that off the books, and you know that's wrong, and you know you shouldn't do that. And I was so troubled. I just drove in and drove around and drove back out of the bank and went back to the house and I said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I'm going to write you a check. We should be so sensitive. I just want you to know that that's one of the times I got it right. There's other times I could tell you about when I didn't get it right. We should be so sensitive to the Spirit of God. I think of Paul and Silas sitting in a jail cell. Knowing they're there for a wrong reason, but they know that they're there, that God might be glorified. There was a jailer there that needed Jesus. They were able to sing. They had peace in their spirit. Hey, even in the Old Testament. See Abraham taking his son up on a mountain knowing in his heart when he gets to that place, he's going to take that son's life. And yet Abraham, you can go back and read it in, 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 uh, in the Old Testament text, he was at peace. The early disciples, many of them laying down their lives for the Savior, speaking out for him as their last breath was given, but they knew that they were in the will of God and that they were being obedient to him, even though it cost them everything. We need to have that kind of obedience. See, being obedient doesn't mean you won't face opposition. doesn't mean things are always going to go well. Over in, in the book of Acts, well, actually, in the 21st chapter, and, and uh, in verse 10, it says, As we stayed many days, this is Paul, he's on his way now back to Jerusalem. 
And he says, we stayed many days with a certain prophet named Agabus. And he came down from Judea. And when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own hands and feet and said, thus says the Holy Spirit. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, now, who is this, who's, who's the center of this? Paul's the center. Who's going to be bound? Paul, who's going to be turned over to the Roman authorities? Paul, who's going to be taken to Rome and put in a Roman jail? Paul. And when we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Was it God's will that Paul end up in Rome? Absolutely. But here are even people who are of his very own clan, the very believers around him, his friends and neighbors in the church, tried to oppose him going to Jerusalem. And when Paul answered and said, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Folks, that's obedience. So when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying, by saying, the will of the Lord be done. What do you want this new year in your life? Do you really want to experience God's fullness, God's, the sense of his presence, to be endued with his power? Then I want to say to you, if we're going to get it right, the thing we need to do most of all is to seek to be obedient, to allow God's will to be perfectly done in our lives. But you see, that only applies to those who know him. If you happen to be in this place today and you've never trusted Christ as Savior, you're walking a, a foreign road. You're going to a place where, well, it's not going to be a happy place. And as we sang that last song, Jesus can still save. And he'll do it for you. Believers, let's get it right in the new year. Let me pray for us. Father, that's, a, that's a, quite a challenge you've given us for this new year. Uh, we've been through so much, and you know about it from last year. Families have been hurt. Jobs have been hurt. Finances have been hurt. People have died. It's been a tough time. And next year might not be any better. And the only way it's going to be better for the individual believer is if we seek your will and then be obedient to what you've asked us to do. There's a lot to be done. All of us need to do our part. We need to be willing to say, yes, Lord, here I am. Send me. I love you. Pray you'll bless the invitation. May we respond in our hearts to what you've asked us to do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.